if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know that I'm rather keen on technology. I like it. I think it's a fantastic tool. I'm not afraid of it, and I'm happy to use it. At the same time, recently, as we live through the season of COVID-19, or maybe even seasons of COVID-19, certainly there's a lot for us to learn as we go through this time together, one of the big things that I hear about is that we should all get ourselves online, move our businesses into some sort of a digital form. And again, I'm not adverse to these kinds of things. I've got no problem with the tech. I do, however, have some concerns about once we get online, just what is it that we're bringing to our patients? What is it because we can't use needles that we can help people with? And of course, we have our Chinese medicine theory. We've got food. We've got dietary habits. We've got movement. There's lots of different ways that we can take and couch and work with Chinese medicine, and especially with Chinese herbs. There's a great way to do some work online. Again, if you're a skilled herbalist and you've got that ability. But one of the big things that I've been thinking about is what is it that is the essence of who we are and what we do? And can we know that in a way that allows us to go online in a way that we're congruent with ourselves and in a way that we bring something to our patients that they find value with? Because if we go online in the short term just to make some money, that might last us for a while, but I don't know if that's sustainable, if we can't bring the incredible value that people come to us for when we also use our needle. So it's a big, big question in my mind. And so to that end, I am delighted to be able to sit down with a number of colleagues and have a conversation around this. We did this with Lhasa OMS. Thank you, Lhasa, very much for the opportunity to have kind of a geological live discussion. We did this conversation live. And I'm bringing it to you here over on the podcast. You can also find it on the Lhasa website. This is our inquiry into what's the essence that we bring to our work and also with an eye toward the social context that we all live within and is so important to being a human being. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi, folks. I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. 
This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway for your health and wellness needs. And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. I hope that you find this discussion to be thought-provoking and helpful. I'm deeply grateful to my guests, Amy Major, Daniel Shulman, and Elaine Duncan. They've been on the podcast before. They have some wonderful points of view, and I hope that you find this to be helpful. Everybody, welcome. Uh, I'm so delighted to be here today. And uh, Jeff reached out to me a little while ago, uh, recently actually, and and asked about my thoughts on the telemedicine thing. It's, It's such a big issue. I've got some thoughts about it. But here's the thing. When it's just me talking, I've got maybe 10 or 15 minutes of material and that's it. I'm done. What I have found in doing the podcast over these number of years that I've done it now is that there is something that comes through in conversation and comes through in dialogue. We really shouldn't be surprised because after all, we go back and we look at the earliest books on our medicine and it's a dialogue. It's a conversation. It's an exploration. And so... I am delighted to sit down with three guests that have been on the podcast before because when I thought about, okay, we're moving into a new world, we're looking to use technology, and we're looking to really look at the core, the essence of not just what we do, but who we are. Mm -hmm. And when I thought about how do we explore this kind of a question, 
Elaine Duncan, Daniel Schulman, and Amy Major are the first people that came to mind. <laughs> so I'm really just, and I would encourage you all, if you haven't listened to their episodes on the podcast, to go check them out because each of them brings a perspective. I mean, I think all of us are striving for integrity, but each of these people that we're going to have conversation with today, they bring something, bring something of a deep heart and spirit of inquiry. And so that's where we're going to go. When Jeffrey introduced me, he said that I don't know where we're headed with the telemedicine. And that's really true. I know there's a lot of experts online saying we should get online. We should, we should get going with this. Go, go, go. I love tech, right? But the question for me is, what do we do when we get there? So with that in mind, and, and, and for the moment, putting aside some of the nuts and bolts, like what kind of microphones do you use and how do you make your tech work and is it HIPAA compliant and how, how do I bill insurance and scope of practice issues and practicing across state lines and all that, we're going to put that aside for the moment and get into what it is that we bring to our work, what we can know deeply in our bones about what we do. Because if we don't have a deep sense of what we're bringing, especially when we don't have our toolkit with us, then, how, then what are we going to do when we get online? And Amy, you, I just saw you light up. I'd love to hear from you on this. And we'll just kind of go around and have a little, little, little jawbone here. So I want to reframe what you just said. You said we don't have our toolkit. I would reframe that to be, we don't have all of the tools that we normally carry with us because the biggest toolkit that each of us carry in integrity is our authentic self. The deepest tool that we have to share with our patients is presence and gaze. And what do we share? And this is demonstrated by research, if you want to find it, that connecting eye to eye in gaze changes biochemistry. We know from Candace Pert, PhD, author of Molecules of Emotion, that every thought we have, every emotion we experience has a direct measurable biochemical yeah. reaction. We know that our presence and our gaze generates oxytocin, right? That's going to make people feel better. That's one thing we have. We don't need a needle to make people feel better. And reaching out and connecting Right? You know, in the Jewish tradition, it said when you visit someone who's six, you take away one sixtieth of their discomfort. How much, that, right? right? How much more so when we are present and giving our attention and intention to a patient? There is a lot that we offer through presence, through our listening ear, through dialogue, and through showing up and bearing witness. What are others' thoughts? Elaine? Well, um, you know, I, I come to this question through the particular lens of um, polyvagal theory and the autonomic nervous system and a lot of the work of Peter, of um, Stephen Porges and uh, the somatic experiencing world. Um, and, you know, what, what Stephen Porges says is that all healing is based on relationship and safety. So I think there's ways that when we use the... Um, use webinar, use this kind of a format that we, with, a, with an individual client, 
that there are certain skills we can use to maximize exactly what Amy's talking about. Things like the distance from the camera. Like if I'm real close, I might feel intrusive in your living room, you know, or your bedroom or wherever you're sitting where you're exposing your personal space. You know, so I need to pay attention to how far away I am from the camera and really inquiring, would you rather have me here or, or is it better having me there? Um, it helps not just with the gaze, but also with all of our senses to activate them because when we activate our face, we're activating the ventral vagus nerve, which is which governs the Shen, which, which is the Shen, which is the, the heart spirit. So elongating our phrases is more comforting to the ear. It, it signals less threat than speaking really clipped and really fast and, you know, like that. Um, making sure that our face, you know, we're not really attuned to um, using this kind of a setting for relationship building. So there's ways that we need to make our eyes sparkle and we need to make our, our facial uh, muscles like appear friendly in, in relationship in order to help people be this one step away from human connection. Because we're in a conundrum where physical distancing is critical for our survival and we can cognitively know that, but our inherent biology wants to connect because human beings through centuries have survived because they've been connected to a tribe. And the people who don't have a tribe in, you know, who live alone, like they need our connection. They need our, our capacity. And so you, you hear the intonation in my voice. That's a, another way to signal safety is to have prosody in, in my voice. So I think that there are some very particular skills that I think, like you say, Amy, we have, uh, we just need to bring them to our minds so that we can uh, access them and, and make use of them. Have I'm curious, have either of you guys been doing any teleconsultations? I have been doing teleconsultations. Um, I've been doing them for a long time, mostly through my somatic experiencing lens, which taught me how to, a lot about how to, how to work in chairs and work with the energy body um, one thing that forgot to be said in, in my uh, bio that I submitted to my, our good friend um, was that I published a book this year called The Tao of Trauma, and mm. it um, outlines the movement of the self-protective response. There are actually five steps to the self-protective mm. response as defined by, by Peter Levine, and those five steps mirror the five elements of acupuncture and Asian medicine. So cultivating the energetic presence of each of those elements we can transmit a sense of safety for the water. We can transmit a sense of movement and possibility in the wood. We can, we can be relationship and fire. We, we can be nourishment and, and caring of the earth and we can be respect and dignity of, of the metal. So um, I think there's, there's lots of possibilities, lots of interesting ways to engage people. Daniel, what about you? What are your, are you doing any of this telemedicine? And, and if so, what are your thoughts about that? I've actually gone in the opposite direction. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I haven't done any uh, telemedicine. Um, I've taken it as a time to do two things. Uh, one is just self-cultivate. Mm -hmm. and, and, and through total serendipity, which is the way almost everything of significance seems to happen in my life, 
Um, oh, you've uh, noticed that too. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the, uh, a course landed on my lap. Of course, there's a million online courses right now, but right. the one I really wanted appeared. Uh, something I've been wanting to study for a long time at a very deep level was the I Ching. Mm -hmm. And uh, th through, through a connection online, through Lorraine Wilcox, I got put on to a fellow in the Netherlands uh, who's very well studied and experienced in the I Ching. He's doing an online course. I got into it, and I'm just having a blast really exploring that deeply. And I'm so thankful because I know it's going to impact my practice. <laughs> profoundly. So, I mean, I, I don't want to change the subject, but but I didn't go towards telemedicine. I kind of went the other way and saw it as a time, which I think is important, as also a time uh, with great potential to, you know, actually suck back a little and go in and, and develop something you've been meaning to develop that in the hustle bustle of every day is hard to do. But but in the in the solitude and contemplative uh, potential of now is actually a great time to do it. So there's that. And then the other aspect is, you know, I've actually gone into a contemplation of, you know, what what could I do in, you know, quote unquote telemedicine? Um, I'm, you know, we're talking about essence and authenticity here. And I, I can only do things in my life that are me. I can't not be me. It's, I just can't do it. And a lot of what's uh, out there is telemedicine right now, and you know, I don't want to get any hate mail. I'm only talking about me. It's not me. Uh -huh. uh, it's just not. And I, I, you know, if anyone out there hears that, they know what I'm talking about. And uh, so I've had to ask deeply. So, you know, is is there a future? This is going to be short lived. I mean, this particular episode of COVID nineteen or whatever. You know, we we're going to come out of it reasonably soon in one way or another but but it is begging a longer term question you know if this comes up again and again and again okay i'm gonna have to develop some kind of online capacity that resonates with me so i've gone into that inquiry and it, that's ongoing for me um, but i'm not I, I i'm not comfortable personally doing a lot of the things that are being done on telemedicine for myself and that's exactly why I invited you here, <laughs> because, because we had a conversation about this. Recently. We did, yeah. It's I a delicate feel, conversation. You know. Yes, I, I feel very much the same. Again, I, I love technology, and there's a part of me that goes, you know, like, okay, get online, teach people acupressure. And I'm thinking, right, not going to work for me. It might work for some people. Sure. Not going to work for me. I would not feel comfortable or capable or like go online and teach people to meditate. And I'm thinking, okay, I got a meditative practice does mm. not qualify me to teach it. Mm. Again, speaking for myself, I love what you said about mm. you're not doing telemedicine and you're taking the time and the circumstances mm. to go deep with something. I mean, I think we've all got our own um, responses to this moment. And, and I've heard everything from I'm considering retiring Mm -hmm. to get online and sell $10,000 worth of herbs in a week mm -hmm. to um, a friend of mine who's been doing some telemedicine goes, you know, I may not go back to my practice. Huh. Things that I'm finding here that I like, and this, this is, I'm finding things that really work. I've been doing it in my clinic, but I can do it even better online. And I like not having to commute. <laughs> and so I, you know, I've heard just a, a vast range of response, and that is really the impetus for me 
to, to, to bring this conversation to light today because I think we have so many different ways and the essential thing back to essence is mm. like, what is it that we know in our bones that we got? So one of the things that I've found is I've got my Chinese medicine diagnosis, right? I love what Amy said. It's like, well, mm. you know, there's, there's part of your toolkit you don't have, but there's so much you do. And one of the things I have is my Chinese medicine diagnosis. I can sit with someone and diagnose. Now the trick is, how do I treat what's, pre what's been presented to me? Well, we know that we can use food, right? Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine. This is not new. So we know we can work with people within the Chinese system of energetics and foods to support them that can be really valuable. You know, a listening ear can be really valuable and working with someone, it allows us to move slower than we'd move in the clinic. And that's an opportunity, like Daniel said, to reframe what we do and rethink what is authentic for us and really how can we show up for this patient in front of us? You know, I've been doing some telemedicine, I've been moving slow, my mom was really ill, so taking advantage of the opportunity to also do some learning, right? I'm doing a hypnosis training right now because that's something that will bring things I've already been doing in the clinic, but with more depth of knowledge and more authenticity and the having been through the process and earned that certificate, right? That matters. It's about what makes this time meaningful because it's one of the few times that self-employed people can get at least some unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. And we have to find that place of truth for each of us and that space where we do meaningfully meet patients. Because I would imagine, Michael, if you were sitting and being present with one of your patients who comes to you for exactly who you are mm -hmm. and you t spoke with them and just sat with them and worked with lifestyle changes. And, you know, as we do, we don't tell someone what they have to do. We say, these are some options. Which of these are you willing to do? And when we hear the feedback from them, then we take it to the next place of how can I help you to make the changes that I'm hearing you want to make in meaningful ways that are sustainable for you? Yes. I, you know, you use the term listening ear. And I would say that is one of the things that I bring to this rodeo mm -hmm. with my patients. And I've been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have. And, um, you know, when I do the podcast, it's just like sitting with a patient, really. No difference. It's just the way I work. And, and I actually had a patient this morning. And again, you know, the diagnosis, I'm not good with food therapy stuff because I honestly don't understand it very well, except in theory. So when it comes to like actual practice, I'm a little fuzzy. And I've never been, help, I've never been successful at getting people or somehow creating a situation where they would change their diet. But what I have been finding is that I can listen for the resources that a patient has, that they've mm -hmm. got, that they are not in touch with. They're not in touch with it, but I, sometimes they say something and I go, oh, so you got that. But they don't know they have it. And, and all I have to do is kind of feed it back to them in a way, and their eyes do this, they go, hmm. So that's it's your superpower. Not, it's not coming from me. It's coming from them. All I have to do is hold that mirror up. But 
and a huge piece that you bring that is uniquely you that they don't get from anywhere else. Exactly. It's one of the reasons that they continue to connect with me because they don't have it in other places in their life. This is the only place where they have that conversation. You, you know, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about what is it exactly that we're offering our, our clients mm. in this in this context. Because um, w- when I look at it through this trauma lens, what I see is an invisible threat that's insidious and everywhere and can't, there's no fight or flight that's available. There maybe there's some flight, you know, I can go hold myself up in a, in a room and shut the door. And, and at, at a certain point, there's an edge when that's helpful and then it becomes its opposite. We turn, we, we psychologically and physiologically, you know, shut down our, our vitality. And um, that's not so very helpful. Um, I think that the virus is exposing the impact of epigenetic trauma through uh, gen- through the generations, the inherited trauma. Um, I live in a majority black county, the wealthiest, Prince George's County, Maryland. It's the wealthiest majority minority county in the country. Um, the research is showing that uh, majority black counties have, I think it's three times the level of infections and six times the level of deaths yeah. of, of majority white counties. So the uh, like, I really wanna salute Daniel for your self-cultivation because probably the most important thing that we can bring to a dysregulated nervous system is our own regulation. So cultivating uh, and managing our own fear, our own anxiety, our own sense of threat is a really, really critical thing to bring to a client when we are able to go back to work again. Um, And I think that, you know, certainly our medicine is um, fabulous for addressing the symptoms that come with with uh, with COVID-19, but it's also fabulous at going a level deeper and helping a system find regulation that maybe will leave the next generation less vulnerable to insidious pathogens like like this virus. I mean, there's some very fascinating research about epigenetics in mice published in Science Magazine that indicates that mice who are tortured over the course of, of generations will give will deliver pups that are have highly stressed systems. But one generation in Mouse Canyon Ranch, <laughs> one generation with, with nice exercise wheels and carpeting and good food, that only one generation is what it takes for those pups to be born more regulated, more healthy. So I think that you know we have a very, very, very special role to play in bringing core regulation to communities that are suffering epigenetic trauma. And of course, that's not just, I don't want to say just, it's not only African-American communities, it's also immigrant communities, it's also Holocaust survivor communities, it's Native American communities. But we have um, powerful medicine to bring to this dynamic of social transformation, as well as uh, current moment physical healing and wellness. And to that end, I had a patient who texted me and said, I need a telehealth session with you. Uh And she was having a PSD traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. She was re-triggered by something. And she went from physically shaking and not being able to get a deep breath to inside of five minutes, we just did some breathing together. And Mm -hmm. I listened. Yeah. 
and her whole consciousness changed because her brain relationship. Yes. yes, and we were in relationship. And what you're and saying, safety. absolutely, and safety, mm-hmm. and creating a safe space and giving her tools mm-hmm. to help her regulate, right. to maintain that to the best of her ability until we could right. connect again. Right. Perfect. So what you're speaking of is so it's the essence Perfect. of what we do. I it's hope just, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think the. One of the powers in Chinese medicine, I, I think it's unrivaled in any other healing profession I know in, in, in regards to core regulation, is that we're really good at, our medicine's about distortions. It, what we do is we try to identify through the five phases, through the six channels, through yin and yang, through, we try to identify what is the core distortion in this person in front of me what's most distorted um you know and you know are are they you know too angry on a bit on unable to express anger what i don't need to go into that but that's what we're we're really good at that and, that's right and right. and the kind of the telemedicine that i'm contemplating in the future if, if life ever forces me to do nothing but that um is you know uh, developing a developing a, a an approach that would you know be a consultation a conversation um that that opens up a, the dialogue with that particular person about their their core distortion i mean i don't use i'm using that language technically here i'm not going to say you're you know you're distorted in this area but but you know to help me to optimize my capacity online to identify that mm-hmm. and then to offer it could be diet, but it could be something else. I mean, I'll give a little interesting example. But before I give the example, for me, one of the one of the the key ingredient to access deep authenticity is not is is not we're not we've been talking about trust, developing trust in the patient, but we also have to develop trust in ourselves that the that the right thing to say is not a formula it's not a protocol it's going to arise spontaneously like, from here and you're not even going to know where the hell it came from right and if we can develop that depth of trust then i think that resonates with the patient and they trust mm-hmm. us trust is resonant if we're just hanging our hat on formulas and protocols i think that almost corrupts trust absolutely um and and for some strange reason, the day I started practice 20 years ago, right out of school, I, I entered the treatment I, for, I don't know where it came from, but I decided I was going to enter the treatment room every day with, with a blank slate, which is not to say I didn't have all my knowledge, but I wasn't going to pre-research the case. I was going to go in and trust deeply that the right thing to do would show up. And of course, sometimes you fall flat on your face and it doesn't and you're just, you're struggling, but it's amazing how often it does. Mm -hmm. And just one quick example. I have this one patient I'm working with now and one of her core issues we've identified is that she's very wishy-washy. You know, she just, she's, she's totally, you know, it's, it's almost a, a complete deflation of the of what we call the gallbladder capacity. She's just mm-hmm. she's just wishy washy. Whether it, especially with her partner, her intimate partner, she's just wishy washy, and kind of you know if you think of um, what's Diane Keaton and Annie Hall, that sort of yeah. la, 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 <laughs> kind of character. That's that's her, and um, you know and and 
one day we were talking and it's what I love most about our medicine is these authentic engagements. And one day we were talking and it just suddenly dawned on me and I suggested to her, I said, you know what I would love you to do is get online or, and research some of the most famous generals in the history of you know, in the history, world history of the military, the generals who are famous for making tough decisions, but with incredible conscientiousness about, they know they're sending their soldiers into harm's way. And it's, it's deep in their heart. So they're, they're, they're the opposite of wishy-washy. They, they not only have to make a decision and go with it, but they have the full weight of potentially sacrificing a lot of good people if they do it wrong and and the famous generals are famous because they 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 could do both they could do the war the the, the tough decisions but they could do them with maximum conscientiousness what, what i was trying to bring to her i realized afterward was not not just the need to make decisions and go with them but the weight of it like and i don't mean weight as a burden i mean weight as a you know, an appreciation of the, in, of the, of the importance. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I, I guess it came to me because I could think of no better archetype than a famous general for, so I said, research famous generals and actually get the autobiography of one of them and read it. Uh -huh. And really, and, and, you know, I don't know if she did it, but it didn't actually matter. The suggestion conveyed, it was a great moment. She was just mm -hmm. like, Wow, that's an awesome idea. You know, I don't even think it matters if she actually reads about it. I think it conveyed the, you know, that, you know, decisions aren't just about whether I should have pizza or pasta tonight with my partner. Um, but, you know, that the, 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 the gravity, the, the, the intensity of, of the importance. Um, and, and that's the kind of conversation I think we could have online. But again, I want to stress, that doesn't mean the next patient I have who's wishy-washy, I'm going to suggest the same thing. That's, sure, that's half, of this, half of this recipe is to have no recipe. Like, th that was a brilliant in its moment, but it would possibly be stupid with the next person. You need to, you need to drop it and start over again and be, well, in that, be in that hope, that full trust within yourself that the right thing to say is going to appear. And I think that would generate a very healing even potentially online kind of environment. And so no, the only no, thing... Not, just quickly, I don't think it's yeah. going to fix their shoulder pain or the pain in their little toe. I'm talking, as we all uh, uh, you know, understand, uh, at a kind of very different level. Well, and what you speak to is so important in that we are trained to what? To see each person in front of us and right. to work with that individual where they are in this moment, which might be different than three days ago or two weeks from now, but exactly. in this moment, and that's language I use with my patients, you know, mm -hmm. where are you in this moment? Mm -hmm. In this moment, what is going on for you? In this moment, how can I best support you? And as you noted, it's gonna be different things. One of my patients came in once and she said, you're gonna tell me to soak my feet in hot water and it's gonna be a different reason than the last time you, soaked me, you told me to soak my feet in hot water. Why? Because there are all sorts of different reasons we tell our patients to soak their feet in hot water. Might be for hot flashes for menopause, might be to relax the Achilles tendon, to get some uh, movement in their neck. It might be to just root their chi, it all depends. So it's not just just the soaking your feet in hot water, 
it's the attention and intention about why you're asking them to do it, right? And inviting them to participate in their own healing as we work to bring them back into the dynamic balance that generates life, right? That's the way that I think about it. Right, you could say soak your feet in hot water 10 different days and actually mean 10 completely different things. Right. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Hello everyone, Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. Chinese medicine for you. you know, and, and, you know, I, I love your comment about half of the recipe is that there's no recipe. Right. Yeah. You know, which is I, that I, tr- which is to really get that you have to trust your not only yourself but you know the mystery of it all. Right. There, there, there are so many. Uh, there's this trend that I see that I call reductionist acupuncture. You know, it's like do this, do this protocol. You know, do these. I won't name them, but uh, you know, do this protocol, it works for everybody. And that really is taking away from the essence of what we have to offer, and I, which I think of as vibrational medicine. So when there's a vibrational illness, people need vibrational medicine. And that's different than when there's like a, a more linear illness, like you need your appendix out. The healing after the app- appendectomy is vibrational. The, the, the surgery itself is pretty mechanical and pretty straightforward in most cases. So, you, you know, I think that the vibration that you offered your client who had kind of a wishy-washy gallbladder, which was basically to give her the liver, you know, the, the general, yeah. the armed forces, you, you invited her to have an imagination of a different vibration that allowed her gallbladder to find its partner. Sounds like to me. And an opportunity to see herself differently. Yeah, right. You to created- try on... Try on a new vibration. Yeah. 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 I mean, imagine even conceiving of herself as a general responsible yeah. for sending 10,000 soldiers into war. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A chance Fabulous. to become the general of your own life. Mm. Right. Hey, I'm just talk? curious. I lost my video over here. Can you guys see me? Yeah. Yes, you want to wait now. All right. You're I back. got a green screen over here, but if you can see me, then. We can see you, and you're handsome as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the right lighting, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all important. Yeah. So, um, I, Amy, I think it was you that used the phrase in this moment. Mm-hmm. And, and it rings a bell because I saw someone this morning and, and I found myself using that phrase mm-hmm. in this moment. And the reason that I did was because 
as we're sitting there and we're talking, she's in pretty good shape. But she, it's like she's playing this tape in the back of her mind about how unsafe it is or what a problem is here or this anger there or those people at the grocery store, you know, they just won't behave and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Not recognizing that in this moment, everything is actually fine. Right. right. And... I was quite struck by that at how, and I, and I watch it in my own life too, right? With all the noise in your head, blah, 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 blah. But actually in this moment, right. how is it? Right. And, and it seems to me in using our presence and in using this present moment, mm -hmm. that's one of the like, you know, half of the recipe pieces, right? Again, mm -hmm. it, it, it's not a protocol type thing. It's not a shtick. It's just recognizing what is in this moment? Are they, are they like this because they're freaked out and then that's what's in that moment? Or are they actually okay, but they don't realize that they're they don't okay? notice it. Mm -hmm. So we help them return, right? We help, we them, help them recenter and we're back to the vagus nerve and we're back to how we what unwinding trauma because, you know, you were talking about Holocaust survivors. You know, there's there was a research article on NPR showing how Five, one, there's trauma. There's often five generations of epigenetic trauma, you know, and that rings true and it's difficult. So even though, you know, we, thank God, did not survive the Holocaust or have to, but it's still, if you have a relative who was, it's in your gene pool, it's in your DNA and it's in your cells. And everybody's walking around with some kinds of trauma, some experienced more deeply what you said, Elaine, is so important. And what you said, Daniel and Michael, is so important in terms of recognizing trauma, being present in the moment and listening, having our educated mind that we can draw from, from the intuition, right? So it can rise up within us in this present moment, Michael. You know? So, uh, so Elaine, I wanted to ask you in particular, because you mentioned trauma, inter, you know, community trauma, intergenerational trauma, and how... COVID-19, it, it's kind of waking that stuff up. Well, right? I, it's, it's allowing I, I think it to that's... come to the surface. And, and I'm curious right. your ways of thinking about how we can recognize that and the people coming to see us and, and how we might be able to work with that both on right. an individual level with mm -hmm. the people we see right. and, and how do we have like an eye toward our communities right. at the same time, recognizing that this is going on? Yeah. So... I'd like to say have two different themes and hopefully I'll remember them both. Um, the first thing is that when there's, um, this is a trauma that's in the category of inescapable attack. So it's a little bit like uh, you're on the beach and there's a tsunami coming. There's nothing really that we can do to escape this except have good luck and, and use our, our distancing and all of that, but still it's all around us. So the sense of arousal in our systems is very high. So when, uh, that we get the signal that there's a, a threat, you know, when we're when fear signals the kidney to stimulate adrenaline to flood the system, it first goes up to the heart and looks helps us look for relationship. It goes to the heart protector. If the heart protector can't actually find relationship that's helpful, it will invade the heart, and the heart sends out this command to the whole body to respond. So then the liver and gallbladder come in with their sympathetic arousal, charging sympathetic arousal, and they'll pump you know, that arousal up to a point where 
the heart is beating so fast, the lungs are breathing so fast that they can no longer sustain it and stay alive because we're going to have a heart attack. So they are then going to going to signal a collapse into the earth and into the into the organs of digestion, into the heart, into the mind, um, into the kidney, and we're going to have a freeze response. So that freeze response creates the psychological numbing, the withdrawal, and the incapacity to digest the experience. Like our stomach and spleen can't digest this experience because they've been shut down because the arousal is so high, so high. So we, we, we need that. It's life-sustaining. It's a good thing. We need it. So the, um, the, the challenge for us is to restore the capacity of the heart, of the heart to sit in command of the kingdom and to sit with um, a regular heartbeat and a signal that says, it's okay, we're going to get through this. It's all right. We're, we're going to make it, you know, to send that, that regulating message out, uh, out to the kingdom of the body. Um, that was half. That was beautiful. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it goes along the co-cycle and the, and the Shen cycle of five elements quite distinctly. It's, I find it absolutely fascinating that the Chinese figured out three, four, 5,000 years ago, what neurophysiologists are figuring out today, you know, and, and, and then that gives rise to ways that we can come in and intervene with various touch and, and engagement and needles and, you know, all the things that we do that, that can help restore regulation. Um, you know, a great what was the other half of your question? Go ahead. Uh, you should. Yeah. Well, I can't remember the other half of Michael's question, but maybe you'll you'll remind me. Go ahead. Uh, oh, well, there, yeah, Daniel, go ahead, and then then I'll come back. Well, yeah, it just dawned on me a great opportunity in this moment. A great opportunity, unprecedented opportunity, is, you know, we only ever know somebody, including ourselves, to the extent that we or they have been tested. That's right. You, you can spend 60 years thinking you know somebody, but if life's been pretty okay, there's a lot about them you don't know because they've never been tested. It's not their fault, just life never threw that at them. So right. this moment is throwing mm -hmm. uh, such a whole radically new set of circumstances at all of us that it's actually a tremendous opportunity to gain that's a right. lot of insight into ourselves and into everybody. So that's actually how they're responding, which gets to what Elaine was talking about. Yeah, that's actually the other the other point I was going to make that these kinds of uh, overwhelming experiences are going to trigger other experiences that are even remotely similar. Right. So, so if we had, for instance, a, a sense at birth that we weren't going to survive, like the cords around our neck, or there was toxic chemicals in the womb, or right. you, you know, we required an early surgery, or you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Those near-death experiences are going to get triggered by this appearance of near-death. And so experiences are going to become more available for us to work with with our clients. That's the danger and the opportunity. Mm -hmm. People will have extraordinary opportunities to transform and heal what was previously invisible to them. Because they tucked it away in some tissues and hidden it away in order to cope with their life. And now, my God, it's right here. And the character for crisis is risk over opportunity. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing comes only one way. That is for sure. So what I'm hearing you say, Elaine, is that old unresolved traumas 
might have a shot at being resolved if we work skillfully with it. Absolutely. I think that that's the real opportunity of this time because when we go into that, that highly disorganized state, we will either have a very high sympathetic arousal and we'll be frustrated and angry as hell, or we'll have this, this collapse of the dorsal vagus nerve. So there's two states that are asking for regulation. And when they find regulation and ready to ability to live harmoniously with them, yin and yang, in dynamic tension, sympathetic, parasympathetic, then something new emerges, something new can emerge out of that tension and, and that, um, you know, that dynamic. Daniel, I heard you say something earlier in the conversation, and, and I'd and I like all of us to maybe look into this a little bit. I, I know I've heard a lot of people talking about this as a time of reset, reflection, reconfiguration. Um, you're, you, in some ways, you've stepped back from the practice piece of your practice, and you're going deep into some study that you've wanted to do. I, I'm wondering for all of us, what, it, what have we gotten from COVID-19 that has been an unexpected surprise, maybe even a blessing, maybe an opportunity. Like like Elaine was saying, there's some things that maybe get resolved or, or that we get some insight into or a chance to work through. I'm wondering what you've gotten from this time that has been a benefit. <laughs> silence. Actually, silence. Well, it was... Uh, uh, the, the silence of it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm pretty stressed out financially, and I know probably many of us are. And you know, it's that's kind of just lurking there, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but 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 I have trust that this will will be will be back. Things will will be back to work. And actually, we could our we could our profession in particular, we could wind up being busier than ever uh, in, in a month or two or three or four. So. Oh, we just lost. Did you just lose uh, Michael? I lost Michael. No, he's here. I see him. We see you, Michael. I do oh. anyway. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Uh, you were yeah. talking about. So, but but how, so, with a trust that you know we'll be busy again, which I have. Uh, I, it's just it's been a like I say this one course fell in my lap and it's an inquiry I've been wanting to do for years but I haven't had time to do it because you can't just you know as we all know anything kind of Chinese philosophy Chinese history Chinese insight you, you can't just you know do 10 minutes a night you know between dinner and and you know taking the dog for a walk you, you need some time and space to really and the eaching my god those hexagrams and the trigrams and you need a lot of time and space to sit with them and just be with them and take them on board and this is what an opportunity this has been time for deep study yeah True. i have had a very big surprise since clearing my practice about six weeks ago I have not slept better in years. <laughs> wow. It's it's been it's been curious to me. Uh -huh. I've been sleeping by and large, I've been sleeping great. Uh -huh. And and so I've I've inquired into that a bit. It's like, well, I don't have my practice. I love my practice. You know, I like doing what I do. Why is it that I'm sleeping so well and I'm feeling I'm actually feeling unburdened? Hmm. Even though the podcast is now 
taking tons of attention. Mm. But because my practice is closed right now, this is very, very surprising to me. Mm. I feel unburdened. It's mm. great. And, and, and that's a, it was well, great, but it's also a curiosity like burden. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I'd been burdened by my practice. And mm -hmm. as much love doing it, mm -hmm. as just I get from it because of the exchange and, and just feeling like it gets to do meaningful work in the world, there is a piece of my practice that carries burden. Yeah. And I had not been aware of that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was there. Mm -hmm. And now I know it's there. Mm -hmm. So now you can shift it. And reframe it. You know, I'm not sure I want to shift it and reframe it yet. It, right okay. now, I'm, I'm just noticing that it's there and I'm being inquisitive about it. Oh, mm. there's an aspect here that's burden. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's about. And I'm, and I'm waiting. I'm being patient and I'm using a listening ear Good. to yeah. see and what it might have to say over time. Right. It will make itself revealed in the right time, as Daniel was speaking about earlier. Mm. Mm -hmm perfect moment mm -hmm. we have anything but quiet i have all six of my children home <laughs> so and they range in age from 27 to 16 so <laughs> there's a lot of cooking and a lot of but there's a lot of teamwork going on and that's a beautiful thing and one of the things that i see you know that you were talking about before elaine is that there are certain traumas that have happened in my life and they're reappearing yeah. And my husband is around a little more and he's a network chiropractor. So I'm getting adjusted and that's right. allowing me to work with them in different ways and take the time to heal some places that I had to stuff because there was just too much doing that needed to happen. And now I'm participating in some being on a deeper Beautiful. level. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that, the grace of that is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Elaine, what about you? Any anything come I was up? I trying to think about that. A surprising benefit? Well, um, it, it's a little bit like trying on retirement. You know, um, my, my husband is home, um, working from home, and, you know, we get to have three meals a day and play cards in the evening. Um, I'm uh, putzing in my garden and growing some vegetables. I've, I've picked up the piano again from uh, mm -hmm. lessons. Um, I... Uh, um, you know, I, I only recently started, I only started learning to, to read music in the last five years. So, uh, and I hadn't played for a couple of years. So I'm back at the beginning of the book, you know, but I'm just doing it. And I think, and I'm doing a lot of meditation and yoga nidra, uh, time to kind of work with my own nervous system and the ways that, uh, you know, the, the worry about the future shows up for me. Um, and I practice a lot of that paying attention to present moment in the present moment. Mostly, I feel incredibly privileged to have a place that I can shelter. Uh, I can quarantine myself and with enough food in the fridge and, you know, uh, economic stability. Um, so I feel extraordinarily privileged. But when I step outside to think about the people in my community who don't have that, it, it can sweep me away and uh, I, I can lose my, my own equanimity. Um, so it, it's been, I think it's been pretty challenging for me, actually. I appreciate your perspective in the way that you framed that there are certain threats. They are inescapable, inescapable attack. They're inescapable attack. And, mm -hmm. and I hadn't thought about that mm -hmm. in that way before, but I hear you mm -hmm. say it and I go, that's right. That's it. That's what mm -hmm. so many people are responding to 
in a nonverbal way, they don't realize that they're under inescapable attack. That's right. There, there's or, this response but, that's happening. But even that, the, some people, for some people, the attack is the virus. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people I seem to be exposed to, the, the attack is the conspiracy of the state or some global mischief that's underway at some high level, or like it's not necessarily the virus. Well, I think I think a lot of it, at least in the U.S., it, it's probably different up in Canada where you guys are so much more civilized. Um, but you know, I think that if we had national leadership that was saying we've got this under control, we're we're producing the tests, we're going to have uh, science tell us when it's safe and how it's safe to open up. Uh, we're, we're managing this, um, we care about you, you, you know, stuff like that. If we were getting that, then we would effectively have a supreme controller that was telling our brainstem, um, we've got this under control, you can relax now. But instead, we have um, a supreme controller that's, that's flaming um, fear, that's inflaming fear and, and, and giving us no sense of regulation or, or uh, scope or reassurance and that right. makes the the like i think of there being this is the other thing I'm, this is the other thing i think <laughs> i think that we have an international field international field of grief mm. and that 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 breathing that grief in as a world's people has made our lungs vulnerable i mean think about it we're, we're we have global warming we've lost uh the, the control of the climate we have um, violence in our communities, some of which is state sanctioned or, or, or state ignored. We, we have, um, I can't even think of all the things, you know, but there, there's grief in every dimension. There's a sense of lack of opportunity. There, there's an unending war going on that people are, are not coming home from or, or they're touched by, you know, by their family members serving. You know, there's so much grief. So again, we can come back to Chinese medicine and know that the lung wants to breathe, the lung wants beauty, the lung wants um, needs relationship, it needs the fire element in order to not get too brittle and too rigid. Like these are all the things that we can offer to help support our global lung, our corporate lung, to be able to heal not just the individuals that are suffering from this virus, but this sense of respect for the world's people respect for people who are different from us, capacity to recognize and acknowledge the beauty in another person, the gem-like nature in another person. So I think it's calling, and, and potentially it's calling courageous people into action, to take action for Medicare for all, to take action for appropriate health care, to take action around racial disparities and, and um, epigenetic trauma, to take these actions that our world has really been crying out for, for how long? And now it's being so exposed. Well, so, one Elaine, piece. The opportunities, you know, I was just asking about opportunities. Mm -hmm. You just described many of them mm -hmm. in being able to step up and provide leadership in the places where we can take some leadership. That's right. And right. to be able to soothe the social networks that we're a part right. of, because as, as you so well pointed out with the polyvagal theory. That's right. Part of what regulates us is the people and the social context around us and That's so right. we get to we get to work in that realm as well that's right but i do, oh sorry go ahead Amy. no you want to go go ahead daniel <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I hear I hear you. I mean, I'm appalled at the lack of leadership in the U.S., and I can't imagine being in that kind of insanity. Um, and I'm in Canada, and we have leadership. Um, but, you know, there are distortions on every side of the coin. That's so right. I'll give you an example of a distortion with good leader with good leadership. Okay, mm -hmm. where I live, we have an an by any standard of public health, an incredible chief of public health, and she gets on every day, and speaks to the population, and she's she's got that perfect demeanor for her position, where she's she's a little bit motherly, but also but firm. Mm -hmm. Perfect. You know? She's perfect for her role right now, for what she's doing. Um, but it dawned on me the other day. I mean, she's, she's kind of the perfect mother. And it dawned on me the other day, and I can see it because it's on Facebook, and you can see all the people sending hearts and love, and we love you, we love you, Dr. Morrison, and all this stuff. And it, it's great. But it dawned on me the other day, I can feel that there are a lot of people out there who need a mother. And... Mm -hmm. They're getting almost, I can feel it, too attached to her as their mother. And I can feel it almost getting more and more entrenched with every day that she gets out there and present and assures everybody and holds the, her hand on the rudder. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're, here's the update. I'm in control. You know, I'm, I'm, and I actually fear for the day that she stops doing these and it's over that there's going to be so many people that next day lost because mother disappeared that I'm, there's a downside to it and I can yeah. feel it building and intensifying. I, what, what I would say is thank God they had an experience of mother. You know, sure. they may not have had an, a good experience with mother as a child. Yeah. And they at least have the memory of feeling cared for during a really intense time. Let's hope. By someone. And they'll have that vibration. That vibration will have affected them. It, mm. it, you know, I mean, it'll be a loss when it's gone. I agree with you. But, like, I think it's great that they have a mother. And, it, <laughs> and uh, they don't have to toughen up. You know, like, toughening up yeah. doesn't really ever help. No, I, I'm not preaching tough love here or anything like that. I'm just, I can feel the kind of um, glommy attachment is getting a little, it's getting a little alarming. I can feel it. In the, well, in the glommy guys. attachment is and in the way of the earth. There will, right. there will be an implication that is not, that is pathological. Okay, so maybe there'll be some other systems put in place. But one thing I do want to let you know, Daniel, is that I'm on the east coast of the U.S., and the virus is a problem. The next town over from me, there is a soldier's home that has had over 88 deaths. And in this particular, it's, it's, there are some terrifying things happening in terms of who's dying, how they're dying. The African American community is dying disproportionately in high numbers. And there sure. are so many things that at least on the East Coast of the US are very big and very present and any small thing we can do to bring ease and whether that's being the earth mama or posting things that are positive on social media if that's our thing or using the vehicle that one has whether it's chi logical to help people have more ease or sharing elaine's mm -hmm. book mm -hmm. to just help people find those places that are most appropriate for them to learn how to self-regulate. That's a gift we can bring. 
And even if it's only in one moment. Even if it's only in one moment, because once you feel it, right? It's what hard. does Tony Robbins say? He says, you want inner peace? Close your eyes, picture yourself on a beach, uh -huh. breathe. Okay, you've got inner peace, what's next? Yeah. So Beautiful. what can we do to support each other at this time of physical distancing to maintain connected with each other, to learn from each other, to support each other and everyone whose lives we touch? Perfect. Well, there we go. I'm, I'm struck, Daniel, with your, uh, yeah, looking at this, this very motherly, this very earth grounding, holding energy mm -hmm. uh, that, that you have. And, and, and lucky, and lucky for you guys, this, I'm this. also thinking, well, then how do you work with that if it gets too glommy? Well, you just bring in some wood, you just bring <laughs> yeah. in some activity and uh, right. it'll, That's you right. know, as we get to move around again and, and get to action. The wood will or, get to rise up. Well, where I live, it'll be a trip to the donut shop as soon as they open up. <laughs> right. For or, you know, when you see your client later after this is all over, and I kind of maintain that it won't be over when it's over, but, you know, and they're processing their experience, you can invite them to go back to, remember when, what was the doctor's name, Dr. Morrison. What, remember when Dr. Morrison would talk to us? Just take a minute and let's just listen to, let you, bring her back to your mind let yourself listen to her and notice what happens oh man i relax my body feels heavier i can take a deeper breath you know so notice that look at that deeper breath oh my goodness <sighs> wow just just let's just let you harvest that a little bit so you can make use of that more regulated experience to move into right here and now they've got that use it beautiful you know, we keep talking about that there's another side and there will be another side. We're not always sure what it looks like, but mm -hmm. things change. We can count on that for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what y'all are thinking about in terms of as things do begin to open up, as we get to go back to our practices, or maybe we don't go back to our practice. We like mm -hmm. doing whatever we're doing. Maybe we're online more, whatever it is. What do you see the opportunities being and maybe two, three, six months from now in terms of the ways that we might be helping people? What kind of things do you think we're going to be seeing? You know, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, it'd be great if we could be on the front line and in the hospitals and helping people there. And it looks like that's not in the cards for us on this go round. But I think in the recovery phase, there's probably a lot that we can do. And, and I'm, I'm wondering what you're thinking about in terms of what we will be called to do and how we might be called to help. I believe we're going to be called to see patients to do acupuncture. We're going to be called to be using Chinese herbal medicine because people's lungs are profoundly damaged. Mm -hmm. The COVID-19 CT scans are horrifying to MDs. And the way that the shortness of breath is expressing in people who do not have pneumonia, who are being x-rayed for other things like a broken shoulder or a broken collarbone, and they're showing up with COVID glass lungs, our work will be cut out for us. 
elders who are coming in for something else and happen to have a chest x-ray and they're finding pneumonia without any other symptoms. We will be called upon to do what we do best and bring in all of the skills that each of us have, our hearts, our minds, our presence, throwing the I Ching for Daniel, right? doing, the, doing the Please. trauma work, mm -hmm. you know, with Elaine and Michael's podcast and just reaching out using the tools that we have. And it'll be a little less busy in some ways in that community clinics, there's not going to be around for a while, which is sad because they provide such a beautiful service. I will be able to run two rooms, not three because of the demands of sanitization between rooms and social distancing that are going to continue for quite some time and with a second wave. So every tool we can give our patients to be self-reliant, every tool we can use for self-regulation, teaching them how while we can get them in our office will be a boon for them and an opportunity for them to have tools we have given them to take forward in the anticipated next wave, which is six months away. I, I do quite a bit of work and, and feel very supportive of the work of Acupuncturists Without Borders. Mm -hmm. We have a, a local chapter that um, until we were all shut down was working with the immigrant and refugee community with free um, regular acupuncture treatment. Um, using a, an approach that I developed when I worked at the Veterans Administration called the 12 Points for Restoration and Balance, but we can go into that another time. But I think that um, the time will be uh, calling us to set up systems and practices that allow people who've been hit very hard economically by this to receive care um, and to receive care that is not um, protocol driven, but is relationship and, um, and nuanced um, to provide some regulation deep into the communities that were most profoundly affected by, by the virus. So I, I think that's gonna be the creative edge that I'm gonna be, feel called to. And just one piece I wanna remind us all of, we're, there's a call in the US for Medicare for all. And it's important to determine if we as acupuncturists want to be a part of Medicare because we are currently not a provider group that's covered under Medicare. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, it's a question that the ASA is asking and there's good information mm -hmm. that we're looking at at asacu.org. And when we go back, the protocols are gonna be different. We're gonna be wearing a mask. Our patients will be given a mask if they don't come in with one. Right. Our table warmers are gone for now. Our sheets are gone for now, unless you're using a vinyl sheet. Our tables will be covered with paper. The sheets are going to crinkle, which may be trauma-inducing for some patients mm -hmm. because we're going to need to use plastic-backed um, pillowcases mm -hmm. and paper. Mm -hmm. And it will be different, and we will guide patients in. We will text them to tell us, for us to tell them when they're ready to come in because we can't have traffic in our waiting rooms. And it gives us an opportunity to maintain what Elaine talked about and work on our own self-regulation to make sure that we are being present so that we can, as Daniel talked about, hear that voice that rises and that guidance that rises, right? To be present in this moment as Michael spoke of. 
Daniel, have you got some thoughts? Uh, where? What was it? I was listening to us. Uh, what's his name there? This British guy I like a lot. He writes a lot of books. I forget his name, but he, you know, he, they were talking about COVID nineteen and everything. And of course, everybody knows what's everybody knows where we're headed and what's going to happen. And he said, you know, the one thing we know is that we don't know what's going to mm -hmm. happen. And anybody who says they do, you know, doesn't know what they're talking about. So they're trying to sell you something. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I think my, my inclination is to say nothing's really going to change. But by that, what I mean is what walks in my door every day and what, what presents itself to me as an acupuncturist is going to be as unpredictable next week, next month, next year, as it has been every day for the last 20 years. So, you know, just be ready and respond appropriately every day. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP certified facilities and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. I, I have a similar <laughs> sensibility as you. Uh, I know that I don't know. And one of the things that I very much appreciate about the medicine that we all share is it allows us to, to enter a moment with one foot in the unknown, the other foot in a certain amount of experience that we have, but ideally in some kind of balanced way. So, so we're not completely like, oh yeah, I know what's going on and I'm going to you know do this thing because I totally know what's happening and not you know, on the other side, I, I got no idea and I don't even know where to begin, but, but there's this lovely mm -hmm. balance that we mm -hmm. get to have, mm -hmm. you know, like you say, when you first went into clinic on that first day, what is this? Right. And to stand in that place and to sit in that place uh, of what is this and to keep coming back to that and seeing what's in front mm -hmm. of us. Because what bit I know of Chinese medicine is that it gives us, it seems to give us, this ability to be present and an ability to respond in ways that are very, very helpful, whether it's using the way that the five phases move or the way that the six chi are, or, you know, Daniel, in your situation, I'll be really curious six months from now to hear how the I Ching has, has, has entered in and is part of the influence of what you do and how that fits. You know, how does that play out? We don't know how that plays out. 
But yeah, I guess it's really no different than when we first started working in clinic after we graduated from school. Mm -hmm. you know, one, of, one of the archetypes in my, that I hold up in my life is um, Miles Davis. <laughs> you know, for me, he is the symbol of somebody who was so good at what he did. He knew a lot, and yet he's the archetype of spontaneity. Um, right. and, and that's really what I think we're called to do is somehow hold, like you were saying, two things that seem contradictory but aren't at the same time. On the one hand, we know a lot. Mm -hmm. We know a lot. We've studied a lot. We've practiced a lot. We know a lot. And on the other hand, we know nothing. Um, but neither is exclusively true. They're both true. So, you know, that's, the, that's the, the, the real challenge in clinic is to hold both equally inside you at the same mm -hmm. time. Person comes in the door, you know a lot. You have a lot to offer. And at the same time, you're a blank slate. What's coming here? What's coming in? I have to just... So it, it, it's a, it, uh, it seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Well, it's the essence of Chinese medicine, right? Right. The, the, the unity of opposites, the, the holding contradictions in one hand i mean it's 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 where we live is what we breathe it's, exactly it's what makes it all interesting it's life it's we, life frankly we, we know what's going to go on we don't know what's going on this is just a for us to remember that we think we're running the show and we're not, we're not. guess there's what a, there's a workshop i have no i get no points from promoting this there's a, a webinar coming up in may elizabeth rochard de la valle oh yeah she's wonderful she's doing it with the european acupuncture academy or whatever you can find it online it's a one uh, two-hour workshop and it's on the chinese principle of incipience oh, wow. uh which to me is like oh that i can't wait i'm so excited to <laughs> you know incipience is that idea like i've always marveled that actually i have no idea where what i just said came from mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. and i think incipience she's mm -hmm. gonna talk for hours about it's the the the, tr the tradition of incipience as a Chinese concept probably going way back. But, you know, that, that notion that, you know, the, the embryonic beginnings of, of whatever you do or say are, are so, if, you know, so, in, so infinitesimally incipient that you, you mm -hmm. actually don't really know where it comes from. Well, it comes from the essence of source, right? Lao Tzu, and we're back right. to Chinese medicine and right. the essence right. of Chinese medicine. Right. And this is one of the great contradictions for me about practicing Chinese medicine, because when I think about doing medicine and think about the expectations that people have about people doing medicine, we're supposed to know what we're doing. Right. The, 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 the image presented, generally speaking, exactly. is this person's an expert. They know mm. what they're doing. They're going mm. to be able to help me because mm. they really know it. Mm. And we do and mm. we don't. Mm. And, and the don't doesn't mean that we don't care. It's that we're leaving room open to see what's actually there. Yeah. And, and it and means that incipient to come through. And something may not have yet revealed itself, mm. right? Jerome Groupman, who was one of the docs at Harvard who works with mysterious and tricky cases, 
And Rachel Naomi Raymond also, who's written Kitchen Table Wisdom and My Grandfather's Blessings, you know, they often talk about that which has not yet revealed itself. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is the smartest and most experienced practitioners that are willing to say that Mm -hmm. and give patients the space to know that. Mm -hmm. But the next piece that we say is, and I'm here with you Mm -hmm. and I will be with you as we walk this journey to work, to figure it out or find out. If if I have one fear about this time, Mm -hmm. there is an alarming potential for society, for governments, for the structures that we live in to respond with an overwhelming uh, shift towards uh, rules, protocols, uh, even the insurance industry. I mean, I, I am worried that we're that that the the zeitgeist that we're in is going to get is going to respond to all this with such a burden of rules protocols procedures right. you know d- triple dotting the i's triple crossing the t's for, forms in triplicate you know you know the whole thing that what we're talking about now the incipience the spontaneity the capacity to be present will get so um, you know almost squashed that's my only fear it's a good fear. Something for us to attend to. And we will have to become activists as well and, to make and, sure and, that doesn't happen. Right. I would encourage our profession to fight against, to, to, to counter that. Mm-hmm. Because the impulse is going to be very strong. Right. So I'm going to use that opportunity to encourage everybody to become a member of your state organization, which will help you become um a member of the largest trade organization in the U.S., the American Society of Acupuncturists, because it takes all of us doing what we can, right? We are not required to complete the task. Neither are we free from doing our part. We need everybody's unique contribution. Yeah. And, and we need to keep in the field the understanding that medicine is science and art. Yes. And, and I think that our profession is relatively more willing to be curious about the unknown than um, our counterparts in Western medicine who seem to feel obligated to have an answer and to know the answer. And God bless them, you know, it's, you know, it's what, it's, it's, it's how they're trained. But I think we're more willing to say, well, you know, I just don't know. And we don't know what she is, right? So why should we know anything else? But, but I don't think it's just the medical profession. I think their patients go to them expecting that, and I think their governments demand right. that of them. So That's I think right. it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a triple dance where yeah. everybody's reinforcing this delusion mm-hmm. that, you know, and we, we need to stand up and uh, that, that's what we, our role here is to stand up and say, that's a delusion. Good for you. And I think, and I think our patients <laughs> Good know for you. Good for you. The patients, patients who come to us know that. My patients yeah. love the encounters we have precisely because mm-hmm. they step outside of the delusions of the medical system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have also found that when I can honestly say I don't know, it's like, yeah, this is a difficult problem. You tried all these different things. What's going on for you? I don't know. And I don't know doesn't mean I give up and it doesn't mean I don't care. But like Amy says, I don't know. And I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll find out. I've got a few things that will help us to investigate. We'll find out. Our patients 
the patients who come to us love that. They're seeking that. Right. Again, we're back to resonance, right? And vibrational mm -hmm. medicine. And they seek you out because they resonate with a similar vibration. And the clearer we are about who we are, the easier it is for the patients that are most appropriate for us, who we can best help will find us. So I know we're getting toward a closing point here. I'd like to uh, just have one final little exploration. Uh, what is the essence that you feel you bring to the work that you do? If, whether it's in person, well, it's always in person, whether it's on a telephone or a video screen or face-to-face. -face. Whether you've got needles or whether you don't, how would you talk about the essence of what you bring to the work that you do? I bring my authentic self in every moment to be present with each patient where they are, mm -hmm. in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that I bring uh, compassion and empathy. I think those are my gifts. Mm -hmm. And maybe something about um, context and scope of a uh, broader scope of understanding the individual and society, individual and the culture. So you can hold them in a very sort of tight or very broad field. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for asking that question. I hadn't really thought about it before. But. It's a difficult question to answer. Mm -hmm. That's why I like to ask it. <laughs> well, ask it tomorrow. You'll get a different answer because this is this moment. Yeah, I'll consult the I Ching on that and get back to you. Yeah, would you please? I'd love to continue to be in touch with you all. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I, the people, I think the people, uh, I find the people who are attracted to coming to me are just, you know, uh, the, one of my biggest fears early on in practice was uh, I perceived telling patients the way I saw it as a confrontation. Mm -hmm. So I shied away. I do the acupuncture but I shied away from being honest with them. Hmm. You know, sometimes being really honest, like, well, when you stop eating 12 donuts a day, you know, we can talk, you know, something like that. <laughs> but, but I, one day I finally realized, you know, there are different ways to, if someone knows that you're not saying it to be an asshole, but you're saying it because you care about them, suddenly it's fine. And I just lost all that fear in that in some, in this instant, and now I'm just I just you know have honest and candid conversations with you know unless it's not appropriate. I mean, you know the patient for whom that's not appropriate, but where it's, where they're available, they're ready. I'm I'm there, and I'll speak candidly, but it's with a sincerity that mm -hmm. that 
the, where uh, Elaine, you opened this all up with trust. You know, if they if they know I'm really sincere and they can trust right. me, I, I have their interests at heart. I'm not saying this to be bro, uh, my to soothe my ego or for bravado purposes. Then you know there is no limit to what to the sincerity and the candor of the conversation you can have, even if it's around something really difficult, like they're dying. It's only difficult if they're afraid. Right, so it gets back or to we're afraid. Yeah, or we're right. afraid, right? And that takes right. us back to what Elaine opened with, which was a discussion about trust. Mm -hmm. And so, for anyone interested, there is an end of life um, doula program at UVM, and that skill set is really terrific to bring to your acupuncture practice. I did it a number of years ago, Beautiful. and yeah, it informs Beautiful. differently. Of course, of course. right? I. Thank, thank you all for, for all you've shared here. For me, the essence, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot, which is partly why we're all here today, because it, it, I think it's a very pertinent question for all of us at this moment. For me, it is having a, in a, um, some time in the chair, so to speak, mm. that I can listen for the resources, I mentioned this before, I can listen for the resources mm -hmm. that my patients do not realize that they have, but I realize that they have. And I can work with them with needles, I can work with them by reflection, I can work with them by suggesting that they watch a movie or read a book. Right. Or, I mean, there's lots of different ways. I love Daniel's uh, example of uh, go check out these generals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's lots of ways that we can help reflect back to people the parts that they don't know that they're connected to. And, and help them connect. So that's it for me. And I see that we have Jeffrey here. Are there some questions from our home audience? There actually are. Uh, there's a couple of questions here. And I just want to share one of the comments if you guys aren't looking in the comments right now. Um, it's from Pamela. And she just said, thank you. Ah, I feel like I just took the deepest breath. And I just want to say that I feel the same way. So Terrific. thank you. Thank you to all of you guys oh, for man, this conversation. We really just, this is what we all need right now. Um, yeah. Everyone needs to feel like a community. They need to hear perspective. And you guys really accomplished that today. So Great. really thank you so much. And I mean, honestly, you guys should start planning your world tour now. So um, <laughs> <I'm in. laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in the, in, you know, okay. um, offline. Um, let's get into a couple of questions. Let's see what we have here. Um, let's see. Um, Daniel, mo multiple people want to know the name of the I Ching master in the Netherlands. <laughs> He's going to kill me. Um, okay, Harmon Mesker, H-A-R-M-E-N, M-E-S-K-E-R. And I'll just quickly tell you what I love about Harmon. He, he's a deep guy, and he's, he's been with the I Ching for 30 or 40 years. And what he's teaching me is what I've wa always wanted, is not to read, you know, there's like thousands of I Ching's out there, but they're all interpretations of interpretations of translations of interpretations, you know, which gets you into a lot of trouble. He's going back to the real core. He's teaching us to actually take apart the trigrams, understand the principal associations with each trigram that were intended, you know, as far as he can tell by reading the source materials. And he, he's, he's, I can feel he's getting me to a point where I can take a trigram and a, hex, a pair of trigrams and he, a hexagram, and I don't need to go to Wilhelm Baines or Huang or, or I don't need a book. I can, wow. look, at it, I can look at it and wow. derive the insight. 
and I love Harmon's. He's awesome. So check him out. He'll be running another guy on Sheological. <laughs> Absolutely. He's going to be running another course in June. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, he's going to be busy after this webinar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trouble now. Um, uh, has anyone considered using a segregate for the needling while you have them online run the energy of that meridian? Do you mean a surrogate? Maybe a surrogate. So it depends on your state. Every acupuncture box in the United States um, says on the back, it's a class, as you know, right, from Lhasa as you sell them, it's a class three medical device, and that's a federal law. So giving them to patients in the United States is illegal. Um, sending them to patients, encouraging anyone who's not a licensed acupuncturist to own one or insert one is against the law. You can use magnets, you can use balls, you can use moxa, you can use gua sha, but um, needles in the US is a problem. And it's also a backdoor problem if you're looking at people who are having an issue with dry needling. One cannot simultaneously say one needs to be licensed to insert a needle and give people needles and say, oh, you can do it at home at the same time. That's also a corollary problem. Right. Um, next question is, I practice Western medicine and feel deeply frustrated with most Western medicine's pathological or pathological view of people experiencing illness, which seems to compound the illness while trying to address it. Can you mm. share how practicing from essence will see the imbalance and distortion in a non-pathological way? Oh my goodness gracious. That's a, whole, that's a whole other <laughs> seminar. It is. We can schedule that. I mean, I think that um, viewing symptoms as voices that are speaking about the inner reality of the person is another gift from Chinese medicine. And, and rather than seeing them as a problem that needs to be solved or, 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 or changed. Um, so it's really a, a question of how do we listen to what our patients have to say and how do we hold that? And so, right, and one of the things is when a symptom speaks, right, it's letting us know what's going on in, in the dynamic balance of the organ system. Right. So what's speaking where and how can we help this person bring themselves back into the dynamic balance that generates life back into a more regulated way so that they will heal. And that to me is practicing from essence. Yeah. Uh, there's two things I want to say. First of all, I, I think there is a time and a place for both medicines. Um, yeah, I, I like to say, you know, when the house is burning down, you need the fire department. You don't, That's need, right. you don't need the tree planters. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, and, and I think the strength of modern medicine is emergency medicine. And thank Absolutely. God, we have, thank God we have it. You know, so Absolutely. I'm in a severe car accident and I'm bleeding profusely. I hope I'm near a modern day state of the art hospital and nothing less. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Having said that, so, so the, I, I really understood this after taking Ed Neal's Neijing course um, and understanding the way the Neijing saw the channel systems of the body. And it became really clear to me that um, what we're about, what acupuncture is about fundamentally is, you know, it's about flow, that we perceive the body as flow, 
And what's flowing are many things. Blood is flowing, energy is flowing, lymphatic fluids are flowing, nervous impulses are flowing, emotions are flowing. And our job, as I tell my patients, they ask me, what do you do? I say, my job, if I can do it well, is to identify where in your system flow is being compromised and work as hard as I can to, to, to get it working, to get things flowing better. That's right. And then your body will take care of the rest. That's right. Whereas I think modern medicine, the emphasis is much more, we're going to actually go in and fix it. Right. We don't go in and fix it. We try to remove the obstructions. So the body can heal itself. So that then, then the entire miraculous physiology of the human body, which is way too complicated to understand, um, will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. There was a, a famous, just quickly, a famous biologist many years ago. He's dead now. I, he wrote The Medusa and the Snail. I forget his name. He had a great quote. He said, if you gave me a choice between uh, commandeering a, a Boeing 747 full of passengers and I've never flown a plane in my life before and landing it and trying to take over the human liver for 10 minutes, I'd take the plane in a heartbeat. <laughs> well said. You know. Well said. I, I, I have nothing to add to all that. <laughs> well, uh... Um, we did get some clarification on the first question about uh, the segregate. So not sending the segregate to the patient, needling a, the doll with the treatment while you are oh. online with the client. So remote acupuncture. Wow. So I would say it depends on the belief system of the patient. Because if we can do long distance Reiki, we can definitely do this. And when patients, particularly if you have the skills and tools to do a little bit of self-hypnosis and the patient knows how to do that, it can be very valuable for the patient. And again, it depends on something Elaine talked about earlier, which is the relationship that you have and trust. So we can go there with patients who are willing to go there. And that I look forward to hearing the feedback that folks get with that if they're doing that. I, 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 do. And I think there's a second point to that, which is the belief system of the practitioner. Right. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't work for me. It worked for me. <laughs> That's actually so, my retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the surrog I guess you call this segregate. One thing that I do, because uh, I do a lot of touch work in my work. So I will, if I want, I will ask someone to put their hand on their chest and I will put my hand on my chest mm. if I want to help um, them access their heart or on their belly if they're having trouble with digestion. We might connect through the uh, uh, motor neurons, you know, the, the um, what's it called? Oh, the mirror neurons. Mirror neurons, mm. um, you know, and, 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 and I, will, I will like use my intention to touch their, their guts and it's amazing what happens when I'm using my attention through a screen. I, sure. It's kind of hard to believe, but I, I will hold someone's kidneys and, and soothe their adrenal system, or, or I'll, mm. I'll be with their, their belly or their, 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 their diaphragm that's all clenched up. I mean, I'll, I'll do different kinds of touch techniques on myself and invite them to, to mirror me in the same way. And sometimes it makes a difference. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just curious. You know, I don't know, but I'm trying it. We're, I think More we're research. a lot in this time yeah. with trying yeah. different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that is the last of our questions and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, 
share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm -hmm.